You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled Dwell, Dwell, and I'm excited to be with you, and it's been a while, it's been four Sundays since we've come, you know, met together, so we've been on a break for a while, and I want to share with you what the Lord's been putting on my heart lately. Also, I'm very happy to see your faces, and some of you, I didn't expect that you would be here, and you're here, and I'm, I'm happy. So thank you for being a part of today, which is our first meeting of 2022. Now, the Lord has given me much inspiration for this year, much vision, but I don't want to share it all today because I don't want to overload you. We'll just take one step at a time and one piece at a time. So I'll share with you today what I believe the Lord is speaking to us for today. But first, let's all stand. If you can stand, let's all stand at the reading of the word. And I'm going to read Psalm 91, 1 through 4. Psalm 91, 1 through 4. And this is from my own translation. The one who dwells in the most high secret place stays at rest in the Almighty's protective shadow. I say to Yahweh, my refuge, my mountain stronghold, my God, in him I put my trust. For from the fowler's trap he pulls you. Out of death's threat, he saves you. In his feathers, he wraps you. Under his wings, you find refuge. A shield, even a wall, is his faithfulness and truth. Amen. Amen. If you could put your hands on your hearts and pray with me. Nice and loud. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Oh, we have to do it again for the people at home because someone didn't do it at home. Someone watching this video didn't do it. Let's do it again. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name, amen. You may be seated. And Father, I'm asking that you would give wings to this word and that it would go out and that we would hear your voice And most of all, Lord, that we'd put it into practice. Give me the grace to share it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're out of practice. Let's let's, uh, say together, amen. Amen. Let's say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gideon, I didn't hear you. Let's say amen. Amen. 
Let's say hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, you're awake. You're alive. Hallelujah. I had a little tickle in my throat there, a little cough. And the other day I was with someone on the phone, and I thought, I cannot cough. You know, because somebody, if you cough, that's it. It's like quarantine, isolation, put up the red tape, uh, get out the hazmat suits. <laughs> so I was like holding it in. <laughs> but I don't feel like that this morning, thank God. The theme this morning is God is shaking the nations for a purpose. God is shaking the nations for a purpose. So let me introduce this to you. God is shaking the nations for a purpose. He wants us to run to him for shelter. He is the unshakable one. All who find refuge in him will be unshakable like him. Hebrews teaches us what the Lord is doing in these last days. He's shaking everything that can be shaken. And you can read about it in Hebrews chapter 12, 25 through 29. But God is shaking everything that can be shaken. In other words, whatever is not eternal will not last. And the Lord's given us a bit of a taste of that all around the world. The Lord reminds me of a gold panner who shakes a gold pan to find gold. Have you ever seen these gold panners? They have a pan, and they usually bring it into a river, and they scoop up all this uh, sand, and ultimately they want to find gold. But they have to, in order to find gold, they have to shake the pan. And when they're shaking the pan, what they're doing, uh, there's a whole technique and art to it. As you're shaking the pan, what you're doing is you're getting rid of the light stuff. You're getting rid of the sand, the, de- the debris, the rocks. And you're shaking it because the gold is heavy. The gold is weighty. And the gold will stay on the bottom. The gold will stay in the pan through the shaking. And that's how you find out that there's gold. It is through the shaking. The gold is heavy and then settles on the bottom of the gold pan. So like I said before, gold is heavy, and when the pan is shaken, only the gold remains. And today, I want to share some practical points about how you can dwell with God. And this is building on what we were talking about last week by video. How many of you watched the video from last week? Thanks, guys, for watching. And I didn't look at those who didn't raise their hands. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to embarrass anybody. So point one is this. The nations are shaking. The wind is blowing. But God offers us his shelter. The nations are shaking. The wind is blowing. But God offers us his shelter. And we go back to Psalm 91, verse 1. I'll read it again. The one who dwells in the Most High secret place stays at rest in the Almighty's protective shadow. The one who dwells in the Most High secret place stays at rest 
in the Almighty's protective shadow. And recently, I've been translating Psalm 91. I don't have like an official infographic here. I just have what I've been working on on a printed black and white sheet. But you can go to brisbanefire.com and find the whole translation, as well as there's an infographic about today's message. Um, so if you just take, take one, you can pass it around. And don't read the whole thing now, <laughs> but you can use it as a, a reference. So just take one and pass it around. Yoshev Beseta Elyon. That's what it says in Hebrew on the top. That's the, the first, three he, first three Hebrew words of the psalm. Now, I'm not going to be talking about that. I talked about that in the video. Recently, the Holy Spirit has been drawing me to Psalm 91. And Psalm 91 is the classic psalm that celebrates Yahweh's protection. And this is what we especially need today is God's protection. Yahweh is another name for God. It's actually the name for God. It's his personal name that he revealed to Moses. And this psalm reveals the secret to God's protection. So in Psalm 91, we find the secret to God's protection. Most Christians think that if you just recite Psalm 91, it will protect you. Kind of like a magic charm. They think of Psalm 91 as some type of magic. And I talked about that in the video. Reciting, reciting Psalm 91 is powerful because it is God's word. So speaking it, reciting it, declaring it is powerful, like a buzzsaw. <laughs> it's powerful because it's God's word. But doing the psalm, putting its secret into practice, that's where the real power is. So the one who speaks it while doing it, that's where the real power is. The secret of Psalm 91 is revealed in the first verse. So what is the secret? Listen to those first few words. The one who dwells in the most high secret place. It's describing someone who dwells in the most high secret place. The whole secret of it is dwelling with God intimately. And when you dwell with God intimately, then you stay at rest in the Almighty's protective shadow. And you're dwelling with the Most High. The uh, psalmist goes on to say, I say to Yahweh, my refuge, my mountain stronghold, my God, in Him I put my trust. For from the fowler's trap, he pulls you out of death's threat. He saves you in his feathers. So there's all pictures of birds here because there's that imagery of this psalm of birds and of the Lord like a, a mother bird protecting, protecting. In his feathers, he wraps you. Under his wings, you find refuge. A shield, even a wall, is his faithfulness and truth. 
You fear not night's dread, nor the arrow flying about at day, neither the dark and devastating threat stalking in broad daylight. At your side a thousand fall, even a myriad more at your right hand, but the threat retreats from you. Only your eyes behold. You see the guilty ones get what they deserve. Yes, you, Yahweh, are my refuge. The Most High has hidden you in his secret lair. Nothing bad befalls you. No assault approaches your tent. And we're going to stop there because I just want to give you a taste of Psalm 91. Now you can see that how to stay safe God's way. I did a video and you can see on that video and here on that video more of, uh, you know, more exposition of the first verse of Psalm 91. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to push forward. So simply put, the secret to Psalm 91 is dwelling with God. Now, what do you think about when you think of dwelling? Yeah, you're living somewhere. Where you dwell is where you eat. It's where you rest. It's where you recover. Uh, that's where your bed is in your dwelling place. That's where your kitchen is in your dwelling place. You make meals. You eat. You, you fellowship together. You have family. What else do you do in your dwelling? Yeah, it's a refuge. You know, this is a place where you come for protection. So in your dwelling place, you have those four walls and a, and a roof over your head for a reason, and that is to protect you from all the elements that are out there and some bad people stalking around and wanting to steal your stuff. <laughs> and so that's why we have houses. That's why we have dwelling places. Now, what Psalm 91 is teaching us is that God is the strongest dwelling place. No one can penetrate him. So if you are in him, you are in the safest place in the world. You're in the safest place in the world. And I recently did another infographic, How to Stay Safe God's Way. It's at brisbanefire.com infographics. And you can go there after the service and see some of the points that I'll, I'm sharing today. Uh, but I'm not going to cover all of it today. I'll hopefully share it over the weeks to come. But I want to draw out and cover two of the points of how do you practically dwell? How do you practically dwell with God? What do you practically do? What are these practical pointers? And the first point is this, is draw close. Draw close. And we're talking about drawing close to God. Before I cover these two points, I want to share a prophetic word the Lord gave me this week. And it gives insight, it gives insight into what God is doing at the moment. And I don't think this word will surprise you. Uh, rather, I believe it's a confirmation and a realization of what the Lord is doing. And the fact that the Lord is above all, he's the most high. Last week, after we found out that Anna didn't have COVID, yay, <laughs> she took the test. She was very thorough with the test. And 
and we were a bit scared there. But good to see some people that have COVID, they have overcome it, thank God. But Anna didn't have it, and so I went on my annual prayer retreat. And every year I go away for a few days to pray and seek the Lord for the year to come. I pray into the Bible school, into the church. I, I was praying over all of you by name. And, um, yeah, I went away to pray. And the Lord led me especially to worship. I spent a good amount of time worshiping. And basically, the Lord had me put all these points that I'm going to share with you, the ones that I'm sharing with you now, today, and the ones that I'll share with you in the weeks to come. The Lord had me putting them all into practice. And the first one of those is this draw close. Or number one of those points is draw close. But the second point of this message The cry of God's heart is that we would draw close to him. So I'm going to share the prophetic word soon. But I won't share all of it. I'll share a portion of it because I think if I share all of it all at once, it might be too much. So I'll, I'll, I'll break it up over the weeks. But the, Before I get into that, the cry of God's heart is that we would draw close to him. Did you hear that? I want us all to say, draw close together. Yeah, he wants us to draw close to him. The temptation for us is to worship him from afar like the Israelites did when Moses set up the first tent of meeting. Now, we see in Exodus 33, 7 through 11, and you may know of this story, that Moses set up a tent of meeting before he... Uh, set up, and before they built the proper tent of meeting, he had another tent of meeting. And before the one that came from the instructions, he had another tent of meeting that was outside the camp so that people can go and meet with God there, and God would dwell there. That was God's dwelling place. Now, in the next semester, uh, our next semester is coming up really soon. Here's the card for it. And uh, just a little over a week away, you can go to holyfireschool.com. You can register. If you're a graduate, you can register just to help. Uh, you don't have to pay once you graduate. Um, at holyfireschool.com, starting 31st of January, 6.30 Monday, we're going to be talking about the tabernacle as well as Joshua, God's warriors, and uh, uh, Psalms. There's it's, there's a lot in me, and I feel it stirring, and I'm looking forward to sharing it. And uh, help me spread the word. Please help me spread the word about the Bible school. Um, if everybody recruited one person, we would grow. <laughs> so maybe you have a friend. It's great to study with a friend. And it's, not, it's, it's no ordinary Bible school. We're on a, a, an adventure together seeking God. And, and our goal is to meet with him. And it's like you're going outside of the camp to meet with the Lord. So that's what Holy Fire School is about. So you can go to holyfireschool.com. But enough of that. Yeah? Yeah, the first night is open. The first night is open to visitors. Um, 
to come and be a part of the first night. So the first night is an open night. But if you can register beforehand, that would be wonderful. Um, Exodus 33.7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Why? Because there's a place to meet with God. And everyone, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand and each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses or the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Now, notice what's happening here. Moses is drawing close. Moses is drawing near. But the rest of Israel is at their tents, worshiping from afar. Now, it's a good thing that they're worshiping, but ultimately what God wants is for us to be like Moses, to, draw, to worship him, to draw near to him, to come into his presence, to meet with him. So there's two ways we can worship. One is from afar, and God's all the way out there, and we're at our tents, and we're watching other people worship God, you know? It's quite exciting watching somebody worship God. They may be dancing and raising their hands. Woo! Hallelujah! And it's entertaining watching somebody. Oh, the cloud came down. Oh, this is powerful. There's miracles happening. But you're watching someone else experience God. And God wants all of us to know him personally and experience him. He wants us to draw close to him. And when we draw close to him, he comes and he, he dwells with us. And we dwell with him. There's that integrated or interlocking relationship with him. And there's that interchange that happens. So Moses drew close to God, right into God's shelter, right into his tent of meeting. However, Israel worshipped from afar. And I believe the Lord is saying to us, he doesn't want us worshiping from afar anymore. I was out Caloundra at the Sunshine Coast for my annual prayer retreat, like I was telling you about. The Weather Bureau issued a strong wind alert on the first full day. And throughout my time there, there was unusually high winds. Then on the day I left, it all died down. <laughs> Due to the strong winds, there were dead branches everywhere. The waves were wild and high. Clouds were passing through quickly, and one storm after another was rolling in. And whatever was not secure was blown away. 
you could hear things banging, a lot of things banging and shaking and rattling. Out of the winds, the Lord spoke to me, saying, and this is the, prophetic, this is the beginning of the prophetic word. The Lord spoke to me, saying, high wind alert. Strong winds have been blowing and will continue to blow. Seek shelter in me. Every branch in me that is not securely attached will be blown away. This season is all about drawing close to me. Through these winds, I am testing everyone's connection with me. Religion will not keep you safe. Zeal is not sufficient. Lots of activity will only make you weak. You need to find your satisfaction in me. I am the secret place of shelter. So this is what the Lord was speaking to me. I'll just wait till the helicopter passes. It's always exciting here in Brisbane. We got the crack of the cricket bat over here. No, it doesn't seem like anybody's in isolation. You know, I thought maybe everybody would be hunkered down, but no, people are out and about. And you know what's good about Church on the Park? We're outdoors. So it's safe, or it's safer. <laughs> safer, and we're in God, and that's the safest place. So the, the Lord was saying here, and I'll, I'll repeat this part again. Seek shelter in me. Every branch in me that is not securely attached will be blown away. This season is all about drawing close to me. Through these winds, I am testing everyone's connection with me. Religion will not keep you safe. Zeal is not sufficient. Lots of activity will only make you weak. You need to find your satisfaction in me. I am the secret place of shelter. And this is what Psalm 91 is saying. He himself is the refuge. God himself is the secret place. Now, again, like I said before, there's more to this prophetic word, but I just want to share with you the beginning of it. And it's not a bad word. It's a good word. What God is saying is things are shaking. Things are blowing. Find your refuge. Find your protection in me. Everything that's not in me is going to be shaken and blown away. So how do you draw close to God? Well, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 holds the answer. And we'll look at this. And I want to ask you a question. What do you see in these verses? So please pay attention as I read because I'm going to ask you to give some short answers. So let me start reading this. It's Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
That's Anna was singing about God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness over and over. And I thank God for my wife, Anna, because she puts in a, so much love and care and seeking the Lord just for the song she sings. She doesn't just kind of press a button and random songs appear. She puts prayer into it and care into it. And, and I'm very thankful for Anna and her leading of worship. Now, what do you see there about how to draw near? How do we draw near to God through, through this? What do you see? Just give me some quick answers. You can have your hand raised, and I'll repeat them for those who are uh, listening to the recording. So, uh, Fran. To enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Yeah, we, enter the, we draw near by entering into the holy place. This is speaking of the most holy place, the secret, the ultimate secret place that was represented in the tabernacle of Moses. We'll talk more about it this semester, but that ultimate, that secret place, we enter by the blood of Jesus. We draw near by the blood of Jesus. What else? Chris, did you have something? Yeah, we're to boldly come. We draw near with boldness. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence, confidence, boldness, assurance to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. So this, what usually keeps us from drawing near to God? What keeps us from drawing close? What usually keeps us is our own shame, our own sin, our own shortcomings, maybe the shame that people put on us. But we see with Adam and Eve when God was walking around in the garden that Adam and Eve were hiding behind the bushes. They were hiding away, trying to get away from God. They were afraid and they were cowering. They weren't coming out. But the Lord says, I want you to boldly come. And why do I want you to boldly come? Because I have provided the way through my blood. I have done the work. I want you to follow me. Yes, I know you're sinful, I know you sin, I know you fall short of my glory, but I have made a way for you to draw close. And you know, if you, if you run away, you'll never really have power to live righteous or godly or pleasing to God because the only way to live pleasing to God is to be close to Him because only He can give you the power to live right. That's the only way. So... What Fran said is true. What Chris said is true. This boldness and confidence to come. To put away the shame. To realize that Jesus has washed away the shame and the guilt. What else? What else do you see here about how to draw near? Yes, Barbara. Yes, yeah, sincere. We draw near with a sincere heart. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. Now, how, how, do, how do our hearts become sincere? They become sincere through the blood of Jesus and through allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. But they also, they're sincere because we just come even with our, our falling short, even with our brokenness, like the woman with the alabaster jar. She knew she was forgiven much, and she fell at Jesus' feet. 
Who was the closest person to Jesus in that room where the Pharisee was having this party for Jesus? You have the Pharisee, a Simon, you have all the other people there. Who was the closest person to Jesus in that room? It was the woman weeping at his feet. She had come to him. She had boldly come to him with all of her brokenness and all of her pain. And she wept and she poured that perfume on his feet. And everyone looked at her and like ridiculed her. If, if this man was a man of God, they were saying of Jesus, oh, he would know that she's a sinner. But she was an example of this passage. She was an example of someone who came boldly to Jesus with a sincere heart, even in her brokenness. And she wept at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, get away from me, you sinful woman, and kick her. But he accepted her worship. He accepted her. And that woman, that unnamed woman, was the closest one to Jesus in the room. She drew close. What else? What do you see here about how to draw close? Yes, Irene. Yeah, fill up on God's word. And, and why fill up on God's word? Because when you fill up on God's word, you know what he thinks about you. And he know, you know that he's calling you. And it says here, our bodies washed with pure water. Like the, like the water of the word of God. The word washes us. What else? Faith. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance, full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. So we draw near through faith and that full assurance and confidence. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Anybody want to, there, there could be more things that we draw out here, but anybody want to give one last thing that's pressing on your heart? How do we draw near? Well, I think we've done a good job answering. And, uh, of course, there's always more that we can draw out. Yes, Anna. Yes, actually confessing out of our mouth that he is our hope and he is faithful. And we see this in Psalm 91, the second verse there. And I take out the verse, uh, the verse numbers because I want you to read it like it was originally given. And I want you to see the poetry of it. So this is one of the reasons why I translate it this way and why it looks this way. But if you look at the second verse, the second line here, I say to Yahweh, this is a confession. This is a declaration. I say to Yahweh, my refuge, my mountain stronghold, 
My God in Him I put my trust. My refuge, my mountain stronghold, my God in Him I put my trust. So this brings me to the third and last point of the message. Uh, but it's the, it's the second point in dwelling or, or how to dwell, how to dwell. It's the second point in how to dwell. So the first point in how to dwell is draw close. Say that with me, draw close. And the second point of this dwell, how to dwell, is worship. Say worship with me. Worship. Let's say it nice and loud. Worship. Worship. This is my last point for today. How do you dwell with God? First thing is to draw close. The next, second thing here is worship. John the Apostle gives us a clear picture of what is happening in God's throne room, his dwelling place. There is continual, nonstop, 24-7 worship. That's what you find in the book of Revelation. Now, often when people read the book of Revelation, they get caught up in the mark of the beast. Everybody's caught up in the mark of the beast. What about people being caught up in the mark of God? I mean, that's the most important mark, right? Of course, we should be warned of the mark of the beast, but what really what's important is God and what he's doing and what he is saying through it all. If one of the great pictures of Revelation is that God is surrounded by worship. It takes you up into the throne room, so you're right there in the center of the universe, right in the throne room of God. And what's happening in the throne room of God? What is happening in that place where he dwells? Worship. And it's constant, continual worship. So if you want to dwell with God, be a worshiper and worship him in spirit and in truth. I'll read to you Revelations 4, 8 through 11. And that's the picture in the, in the Ark of the Covenant. You have the picture of the cherubim with their wings extended. And the cherubim with their wings is extended over the Ark, which is a picture of God's throne. That is a picture of worship, and it's a picture of what's going on in heaven. God dwells in that worship. And so here we see, we see these creatures... I'll start, I'll start in verse 7, uh, Revelation 4, 7. The first creature was a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. So you see that the first, the cherubim, these four living creatures around the throne, crying out, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. That worship, constant, continual worship. And the elders bowing down and, and throwing the crowns down and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, worthy you are, our Lord and our God. So, again, this, to, how to dwell this second point of the infographic is worship. And we see that picture in the Ark of the Covenant. God dwells between the wings of the cherubim. And the picture is that the cherubim surround God's throne with worship. So Anna and Valerie dropped me off at the place I was staying for the prayer retreat later in the week, uh, later of last week. And I didn't expect what would happen to me right when they left. But encounters with God often happen suddenly. And so we had a little bit of time, and uh, Valerie went into the pool, and then they came up and they said, okay, we'll pray for you. And they prayed for me, simple prayer, and then they left. And so I just sat on the couch there, and I brought my little portable speaker with me. Those things are quite handy. And I put on a worship album. It's called Intimacy by... Vineyard Worship, and it has songs by worship leaders like Scott Underwood, Brian Dorkson, and Brent Hellman. And there's something very special, something very special about the album. The songs come out of the move of God in the 90s, and Lyndall Cooley would often play them in the revival in Pensacola, where I was a part of that, and that's where I met Anna. And when I turned on the album, I began reading Psalm 25, verse 1. And I read, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. And as I read it, I did that very thing. I offered up my soul to God and I put my trust in him. And then as I read that, I began to weep before the Lord and I wept for about an hour as I worshiped God. I felt the Lord very near to me. I felt his closeness and his intimacy. I know he's there even when I don't feel him in that way. But this was very tangible. In my mind, I was clinging to Jesus' feet like the woman with the alabaster jar that I just talked about. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36 and, and onwards. And, and why was I weeping? I was weeping because I was worshiping Jesus and I was bringing to him all my pain. I was weeping because I was so grateful for Jesus' grace, mercy, and forgiveness in my life. But most of all, I was weeping because I love Jesus so much. And all throughout that prayer retreat, there was a lot of tears, a lot of weeping that just kept on going. It was a theme. And I remembered how 
That woman with the alabaster jar, she was weeping at Jesus' feet, worshiping him, and she was so close to Jesus. She was in that place of humility, but she was so close. And worship often involves weeping. So I want to encourage you that let's be real with God. You can worship God without weeping. Yes, you can worship God without weeping. It's not like, hey, you're not weeping. You're not, <laughs> you're not good enough for me. But this weeping is, what I'm talking about is a pouring out of the heart. And it's a beautiful thing. At that moment when I was spent that hour worshiping to those songs uh, from the Intimacy album, at that moment... I didn't want to minister, preach, pastor, or write. I just wanted to be with him. Everything else faded away. All I wanted to do was be with him. I didn't want to do anything else. I just felt the Lord's dwelling there so close. And I was with him. And all I could do is pour out my soul to him. Like I said, the weeping continued through much of the retreat. And soon it turned into waiting, writing, and warfare. Spiritual warfare. But at first, it was just being satisfied with him. And I guess I want to encourage us to engage in heartfelt, raw worship when we are alone. God dwells with his worshipers. And I want to encourage us as a church, that's who we are as a church, we're worshipers. And I want to encourage us to worship God and hold nothing back from the Lord. That sincere heart, that open heart, where we, we give him everything, and sometimes that's, there'll, be some, there'll be like this groaning. Sometimes there's weeping. Sometimes we're just content and there's nothing dramatic about it. But God dwells with his worshipers. So today we've seen that the nations are shaking and there's a strong wind blowing. But God offers us shelter and we can practically dwell with him, finding refuge and safety in him. And we could do that by, what was that first thing we mentioned? Drawing close. That's the D in dwell. Then the W is worship. Next, worship. And those two things go together. Again, like I said, you don't have to weep, but let's be real. But it's precious. The Lord takes our tears, and our tears are precious to the Lord. Amen? Well, what I'm going to do is I want to play a song or two from that Intimacy album, and I just want us to practice drawing near to the Lord and worshiping Him. Can we do that for about just a few minutes? Not too long? Do I have your permission? So this is what we'll do in response to the message. Let me pray first. Father, I'm, I'm asking you that we would know that intimate dwelling of your presence.
This is one of the things you've been speaking to me this year. You want to dwell with us. And you want us to dwell with you. You want us to draw close. The cry of your heart is that we would draw close to you and be wrapped, wrapped in your feathers, wrapped under your wings. We know that if we're in you, we are safe and protected no matter what the world throws at us. You are our shield. You are our shelter. I pray all throughout this congregation that there would be great intimate moments. We want to forget 2021 and the bad things. We want to remember the good things, but forget the bad things. And we just look to this year that you have great things in store for us and for this church, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to just put this on. And yeah, I just want us to practice drawing near. I've got to find it first here. Let's see.